Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back into the Above the Rim podcast, where we talk nothing but the hottest topics in the NBA. I am your host, Tyler, here, and we have a jam-packed show for you, mainly because it is finally time. It is the season opener. It is opening night, and it is headlined by two fantastic games involving four teams that have a lot of storylines and really a lot of questions going into this season. So in this episode, I will tell you about both of those games. I'll give you my predictions, and I will also tell you about some things to watch for with all four of those teams. And since it is night one of the NBA, it is only right that I give you my finals prediction. Now, if you listen to my pod last week, the Eastern Conference preview and the Western Conference preview, you have a good idea of where I'm going with my finals prediction, but that's neither here nor there. Since it is opening night, I do got to give it to you. And I will also look at the award races and who I think could win these awards throughout the season. I'm talking MVP, Sixth Man of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, everything of that nature, more most improved player. So we will get into all that. And I will give you some games to watch this week. I don't know if you've heard, but... On a lot of platforms, NBA League Pass will be free for you this week only. And with that, I do got to give you some games to watch out for. Some games that are not nationally televised that you might want to watch. So I will do that as well. So without further ado, let's just get this thing started. We have a lot to get into. And thank you for joining me. So let's get this thing going. And with that, it is only right that we start with the first game going on tonight, and that would be between the Warriors and the Nets. Obviously, the big juicy storyline is going to be Steph Curry and KD, former teammates, going at each other as opponents this time. But that does kind of take a damper down. It is kind of dampened out by Draymond Green not playing because we all know Kevin Durant has no problem with Steph, he has no problem with Clay. We all know Clay's not going to play either the whole season. So he has no problem with those two guys. We all know who the problem that KD had was with, and that is Draymond Green. Unfortunately, he will not go tonight. It would have been very interesting to see those two guys match up against each other. We'll just have to wait until next time. But this is still a fantastic matchup to watch, and I am very excited. I mean, number one, you got Steph Curry, who played very limitedly last season with his injury. And then we have Kevin Durant, who we pretty much haven't seen play a real game in 500 and something days. So that alone is enough to get me juiced for this. And also there are a few things. Let's just start with the Warriors that I am looking forward to. Number one, hey, we're going to get our first look at James Wiseman. If you follow the pod, you know what I think about James Wiseman. Anthony Edwards is nice. LaMelo Ball is nice. But when it comes down to who I think is going to be the best player from this draft, it's no doubt in my mind that it's going to be James Wiseman for me. And we didn't get to see him in the preseason, but we will see him tonight. And we're really going to see how Steve Kerr utilizes him and what he does with him. One thing I'm worried about, and one thing why, as you'll hear later, I'm not going to pick Wiseman to win Rookie of the Year, even though I think he will be the best out of this draft class. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to win Rookie of the Year, you know? But one thing I'm interested in seeing is how Steve Kerr uses him and how much he's going to play him. Is he going to take this year to really develop Wiseman and take his time with him? Or is he going to throw him right to the fire? Is he ready for that? If you listen to Steve Kerr, he likes to dampen down the expectations on Wiseman, you know, tell me, Hey, you know, he's only a 19 year old rookie. He's not going to make that big of an impact this year. But if you listen to Steph Curry and Draymond, 
They have quite the opposite to say about him. They've raved about him all training camp long. If you've listened, Steph Curry and Draymond have said that they are just amazed at how well he runs the floor, how athletic he is. I think it's going to take a lot of people by surprise how good Wiseman can be, really, in this first year. Now, not a lot of rookers, rookies excuse me, can have big impacts in their first year. But Wiseman, to me, can, because I think he can play both both sides of the ball. He's very good offensively, and I think he can be a problem defensively, especially with his length and athleticism. He is tricky athletic. I don't think people realize how athletic he is for a big man, so that is definitely one thing I'm watching with Wiseman, and obviously Curry. Who's not excited to see Curry? A lot of people think he can push his way into the MVP race. I'm pumping the brakes on that, mainly because I just don't know what kind of team the Warriors are going to become. You know, I have them, if you watch my, or if you listen to my Western Conference preview, I had the Warriors fighting for the eighth slot in the Western Conference just to get in the playoffs. So if that's the case, then Curry is not going to be in the MVP conversation. But man, if you watch the preseason, which I don't like to put a lot of stock into, but if you watch the Warriors preseason, Stephen Curry, Look like he did not miss a beat. I mean, this guy was raining threes, and he looked like Stephen Curry. So I am excited to see that. And as I said before, I'm bummed Draymond won't play, but tonight should answer some questions about the Warriors. You know, what kind of impact will Kelly Oubre have? Can he be that guy for Steph Curry and Draymond Green and the Warriors? We'll have to wait and see. But, you know, he is on a contract year, and players who are on contract years tend to be pretty motivated. So, you might get the best out of Kelly Oubre this year, and those are just some things to watch with the Warriors tonight. We'll have to really sit down and look at if they can really be a playoff team in the Western Conference. So that's what I'm looking forward to with the Warriors. Now, on the Nets side, there's a ton to look forward to. All right, number one, KD. All right, that's just plain and simple. It is the first game that KD will play. That counts in over 550 days. So that is something, and like I said, I don't like to put much into the preseason, but whoo, <laughs> I would be flat out lying to you if I said KD did not look great. KD looked like KD, and for the rest of the league, that's going to be a problem. KD is a problem, and now we get to see finally how KD and Kyrie mix. Now, as I said about the preseason, I'm not a big a big hoopla guy about the preseason, but they looked very good, and this offense looked very good, which brings me to my number one question about this team that has to be answered tonight, I think. That doesn't have to be answered tonight, but we will get some answers tonight, and that is how is their defense? We all know the Brooklyn Nets have a ton of guys that can put the ball in the hole. That is apparent. That is evident. That is obvious. What is not obvious, though, is who's going to play some defense. I don't see Spencer Dinwiddie locking someone down. Kyrie Irving, sure as hell, is not going to lock anybody down. Kevin Durant is a good defender. I will give him that. DeAndre Jordan, uh, you know, he, he used to be a good rim protector. I don't know if he can be that same type of guy. Jarrett Allen is a good defender, but it's going to be interesting to see because Karis LeVert's not a great defender either. I think the Brooklyn Nets, they're going to be a top three team in the league in terms of offense. As we saw in the preseason, this team's going to put up points, and they're going to score in bunches. That's just the way it's going to be. But the problem with them that I have is what is their defense going to be? If they can get their defense even middle of the pack, I think that they would be in great shape to make a run this year. But we'll just have to wait and see on all of that. And also what I'm looking forward to tonight is how is Nash's coaching? 
What type of positions does Steve Nash put Kyrie and Kevin Durant in? Does he put them in positions to succeed? And especially with Mike D'Antoni being the assistant coach there, you got to think that Kyrie Irving is in store for a big year because he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot, and he's going to control a lot of the offense. So that's one thing I'm interested in seeing. How does Nash coach this team? Is he more offensive-minded? Is Does he have defense implemented in there? Is defense important to him? Or is he going to be another Mike D'Antoni where – you know, it's just all about offense. It's all about flair and not much defense. And then also tonight, I think we should get a good inkling. Now, I don't like to overreact on night one, but with the way they look to the preseason and if they look good tonight, if they roll tonight, it's time to start talking about Brooklyn as being a serious title contender because when you look at this roster, they are loaded. Top to bottom, they are loaded. They have a lot of great players. They have a lot of ways they can score. They have a lot of people that can spread the floor out. And also, if you're asking me, they have the second-best duo in the NBA. We all know the best is LeBron and AD. I don't think that's debatable. Where it gets debatable is the second, though, but I will take KD and Kyrie over Kawhi and Paul George all day long because I think KD is better than Kawhi. And Kyrie, one thing we know about Kyrie, he may not be the all-around player that Paul George is in terms of defensively and everything of that nature, but one thing we know about Kyrie is when the moment's bright, that boy going to show up, and he's going to show up big. He hit the biggest shot in NBA history in Game 7 at Golden State. So you know what he's about. You know what he's made of. There are still questions there about Paul George. So because of that, I'll take KD and Kyrie as the second-best duo in the NBA. And if you have that, you obviously can be title contenders. Now, the thing about the Nets here, like I said, is the defense. And that's going to have to round into form. I don't think it'll start out great, but... From what I saw in the preseason, Kevin Durant looks like an above-average defender. He really does. Um, I would, I can't say enough about what I saw from Kevin Durant in the preseason, both offensively and defensively. Kevin Durant looked amazing in both games that he played. He looked amazing, and he looked like the mental aspect of the injury isn't going to bother him, and we all know that is the biggest hurdle to overcome when you're talking about a devastating injury, is the mental aspect of it. I did not sense KD hold back one bit. He was cutting to the basket. He was dunking. He was blocking shots. He was protecting the rim. It was a great sight to see. And we'll have to see if that continues tonight. And quite honestly, I think it will. To me, although I think the Clippers and Lakers is a better game and a better matchup and more eyes will be on that matchup, I think this is KD's night. I think this is KD's night to steal all the headlines. All the headlines. If KD comes out there and looks like KD, <laughs> Brooklyn and KD are going to steal all of the headlines in the NBA, at least for night one of the NBA. So tonight, to me, this is KD's night. This is time for him to remind all of us who KD is, and if you don't think he's the second best player in the league, this is a time for him to remind you that he is indeed better than Kawhi. And I think he will do that, and we all know who he is. He is the king of pettiness, and even though Draymond's not out on that floor, if you do not think for one second that KD doesn't want to go out there and ball, then you're wrong. KD would love nothing more than go out there and drop 35 on the Warriors' face and get a dub, and I kind of think that's what's going to happen here. I think KD has a huge game, and I think the Nets get the win here tonight, but it's certainly one of the most interesting matchups here 
of the whole first week of the NBA season. It's just a bummer, like I said, that Draymond will not be able to play. But either way, like I said, a lot of things to look forward to tonight. Warriors, Nets, early early tip time, 7 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Mountain Time, where I am in the Rocky Mountains here. So should be a fun time watching that one, and we'll have to see what happens. With that, we move on to the second matchup on opening night, and that would happen to be the battle for L.A., the Clippers and the Lakers. This was supposed to be the Western Conference Final last year. I'm pretty sure almost everyone had this picked as the Western Conference Final. Obviously, it didn't happen. Denver snuck their way in there. And now everyone's going to be interested, including me, to see how do the Clippers respond. And tonight, I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment. I'm not about that. But tonight, it's going to be kind of important for the Clippers, right? I mean, just imagine if the Clippers come out here and get steamrolled by the Lakers. Then we all know that the gap between them and the Lakers is huge, and we're not sure if the Clippers will be able to make it up this season unless they do some serious work at the trade deadline. But the big question to me, what I'm looking for tonight, is are the Clippers going to take this season more seriously? Are they? Now, there's been reports that Kawhi and Paul George have been at every single practice. They've been at every single meeting, which is... Quite different if you heard the reports from last season. And we all know those reports came out about Kawhi being late for the flights, being late for meetings, you know, picking the practice times, picking when he plays, same with Paul George. And it's no coincidence, I think, that after that story comes out, you're hearing nothing but glowing things about both of those guys. Someone had to put that story out, and if I had to bet, it would be someone within the Clippers to kind of let these guys know that they're not joking around and that they want them to take this a little more seriously. And so far that they have. So far, uh, by all accounts, everything I've heard, the Clippers have taken training camp very seriously and they've taken really everything seriously. But the problem with that is, is I'm not so sure that the roster is as good as last year. And if you watch the Clippers preseason, I mean, I don't, I, I don't like... I seriously do not like to overreact about preseason, but if you watched them in the preseason, ooh, they did not look particularly great. Now, that could all change tonight. You know, Maybe Kawhi really flips the switch tonight, and maybe he, he does what Kawhi does. I still think Kawhi is a top three player in the league. I will take him as a top three player, but my, my question is with Paul George, and that's my next thing with the Clippers. Does Paul George come out with a chip on his shoulder? Because I think he needs to. And I think this whole team needs to. The way that they fight tonight in this game will show me a lot about them. What I do not want to see from the Clippers tonight is them just get rolled over. That would be a bad sign for the rest of the season for them. What we need to see from them tonight is for them to be competitive. Now, I don't think they're going to win the game, so I'm not going to go that far. But they need to make it a competitive ball game to show the Lakers that, hey, even though we lost Montrez and even so, even though we lost some other players and we still didn't get a point guard, we can still hang right with you guys. That's going to be an important message for them this season. And if they don't do it, if they just get rolled over, like I said, I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment, but you add that into the fact that they looked kind of suspect in the preseason, then there would be a lot more questions around this team. Now, a lot of people have this team as a top two team in the West. I do not. I think Denver is still a better team than the Clippers. I will take Denver over the Clippers really all day until I see something more from the Clippers. But if we're talking about the Clippers here, one of the things that's going to be very interesting to watch tonight is how does Ty Lue utilize the triangle? 
Now, it was reported a few days ago that Ty Lue is going to use the triangle for Kawhi Leonard, who we all know idolized one Michael Jordan and one Kobe Bryant, and that's why he has such a deadly mid-range game. I mean, his mid-range game is ridiculous. I'm going to be real about it. I don't have any questions about Kawhi. His mid-range game is absolutely ridiculous. So what I'm interested in seeing is how does Ty Lue utilize him in a triangle, and can Ty Lue actually teach the triangle? It'll be very interesting to watch, but I think Kawhi, I think Kawhi, excuse me, is going to be very excited about using the triangle. I think it's going to revamp him, and I think he's going to be very energized going into this game and going into this season, and we'll just have to wait and see what happens because, you know, if Ty Lue's going to utilize it for Kawhi, you'd have to think he's going to utilize it for Paul George as well. So a lot of interesting things to watch for the Clippers. Um, Serge Ibaka, how does he fit in? Luke Kennard, what kind of what kind of role does Marcus Morris play? I think that's a big question. They gave him a lot of money, $64 million. So they think he can be a big part of this team, and it's going to be something to watch. Is he is he that guy? They paid him pretty much to be a third guy. Is he going to be that guy, though? I don't know. There's a lot of questions about this team. This team has a lot of mystique around it, and it's going to be interesting to see tonight. I'm really excited to see how Paul George bounces back. He's heard all the noise. He's gotten all of the criticism. Kawhi's gotten very little, even though he didn't play very well either. And, I mean, I've done that as well. I'm not worried about Kawhi, like I said. Kawhi Leonard, look, when you put new teams together, oftentimes, if you're looking at the bright side for the Clippers, when you're putting a new team together, oftentimes it does take that second year to kind of click. The first year seems like it always never works out, even with LeBron in Miami and then LeBron in Cleveland. So the first year almost never works out. Last year was an aberration, and that's just because LeBron and AD, the chemistry was through the roof from the beginning. Kawhi and Paul George didn't have much time to practice. They didn't have much time to get their chemistry together. Everything we've heard is that they've practiced a lot together this year. They've worked on their chemistry so this is really the year that we're going to see how good this duo can be. And that's one of the things that we all need to be excited about seeing. And we're going to see part of that tonight. Does all that work in the offseason or did all that work in the offseason pay off? And do they have a big night tonight, a big bounce back night? And let's just be real about it. Paul George is on the clock here. Okay. This is Kawhi Leonard's contract year. He has a player option going in next season. If it's abysmal as it was, or if it's, abysmal this season as it was last season, then Kawhi could be looking to get out of the Clippers. Or what's more likely, in my opinion, is Kawhi could be asking the Clippers to trade Paul George. So that's why this season is really important for Paul George, one of the most important seasons of his career, because we all heard him say, I want to retire a Clipper. Well, sir, if you want to retire a Clipper, you better not put on the type of performance that you did last season. I'll tell you that right now. If you want to retire a Clipper, if you want to retire playing alongside Kawhi Leonard, then you need to revert back to the Paul George that was in the MVP conversation with OKC. And if you don't, there is a high percentage that Paul George will get traded next offseason because when it comes to the Clippers, who are they going to choose? If Kawhi Leonard's saying, hey, you know, I don't know if I want to be here because I don't believe in Paul George being my second guy. We've tried it for two years. It didn't work. If Kawhi says that, then it's no it it's no competition. The Clippers are going to get rid of Paul George to keep Kawhi. So Paul George is really on the clock this year, and we'll see what he does. We will see what he does.
And like I mentioned earlier, the Clippers are going to have to sit there and watch the Lakers receive their championship rings. And if that doesn't get the Clippers fired up, I don't know what will. So a lot of interesting things to look at with the Clippers this season. Now, let's revert our attention to the defending NBA champions because even though they are defending champions and even though we all think they got better this offseason, there are still some questions with them as well. So let's just get started. What are our questions about the Lakers? Number one, this one's clear to me. How do the new additions mesh? How does Marcus Gasol, how does Dennis Schroeder, and how do... Montrez Harrell mesh with the other Laker players. How do they mesh with those guys? That's going to be very interesting to see because we all know Schroeder says he wants to start for the Lakers. And tonight, by all accounts of what I've heard, is that he will. We'll have to wait and see. But I think that he will. And I think really for the first part of the season, Schroeder will be a starter. And Frank Vogel is going to give him an opportunity to win that job. I really believe that. I believe that was talked with his agent. Shooter even said in an interview when he got traded to the Lakers that, hey, my agent made it clear. I want to be a starter. And I think that actually helps LeBron. I do. I don't see any reason why Shooter can't start alongside LeBron. I really don't. But how do the new additions match? Like Montrez Harrell. Shooter, I'm a little less worried about because I think he'll fit in very nicely, especially LeBron. Let's just call it what it is. He wants someone else to share the load with him in terms of bringing the ball up the court. He's going to be 36 here soon. Like he can't be doing this the whole time. He does need some of that pressure to be taken off of him. And we'll have to wait and see if shooter can be that guy. But I think shooter will fit in effortlessly where the more questions lie is Montres Harrell. Now, we all know Harold's going to come off the bench, and we all know that he had problems with Paul George and Kawhi last year. I don't think he'll have the same problems with LeBron and AD, but hey, it is still a question mark, and we do have to still see how he matches with this team and how this team really wants to play because I do think their style of play will change a little bit this year. Last year, they were a little more athletic. This year, they've gotten a little less athletic. I think they're going to play a little slower, mainly because they got Marc Gasol as the center, and Marc Gasol is not someone that's going to run the court like a Dwight or even a JaVale. So they're going to have to play a little bit slower. But still, even with that, I think these additions will mesh very well. And the bigger reason for that is LeBron James. Let's just call it what it is. LeBron James is the best leader in basketball, and it's very hard for players not to get along with LeBron. Um, just look at history. People love LeBron. They love playing with him. It's very hard not to get along with him. So because of that, I think Montrez Harrell and Schroeder and Gasol will fit in very nicely. I think they'll have a nice spot in the lineup. Even people like Wesley Matthews. I think these are great additions for the Lakers. Lakers got better. And what I want to see tonight is how much better did they really get? Now, I'm not so sure we'll be able to see fully the full scope of how much better they got tonight, mainly because I don't know how much LeBron's going to play if I... If I had a guess, I'd guess that Frank Vogel is really going to ease him into the season. I don't feel the same about AD because AD is still young, but you're talking about a player in LeBron that's going to be, like I said, 36 years old. You do not want to push him out there full throttle just yet. You really do want to give him some time. That's why, you know, last year there was a lot of hype going into LeBron versus Kawhi. Kawhi obviously released the commercial, and there was just a lot of hype within that one-on-one -on -one matchup within the two teams matching up, right? I don't think that's going to be the case this opening night. LeBron's not going to be ready for that type of battle. I can tell you right now, uh, 
If I know LeBron, he is not going to be ready for that type of battle, and he's not going to make it a battle of a one-on-one. Now, when the playoffs get started, and if they meet in the playoffs, call me then, because that's what LeBron cares about. LeBron, at 36 years old, with four rings, four finals MVPs, and four league MVPs, is not going to concern himself with night one of the NBA season when the Lakers are the favorites to win the title. He's just not. That's not who he is. That's not what he does. Tonight... The bigger matchup, I think, will be AD and Kawhi. And AD is going to be someone I'm watching all season because we all know when players win that first championship, they take a big step. So my next question with the Lakers is, how big of a step forward does AD take? We heard all the criticism last year. We heard all the questions last year. Oh, is AD that guy? You know, Is AD a dog? Is he going to play when he's hurt? Is he going to get feisty down inside? We all heard those last year. Now those are out the window. And we all know with big-time players in the NBA, when all of those questions go out the window when you win a championship, it's like these players have been unleashed. Now we all remember when LeBron won his first title. And after that, it was like he was just unleashed, right? I mean, he went on a tear. Same with Kevin Durant when he won that first title with the Warriors. After that, it was just unleash him. So now Frank Vogel this year, I think, is going to unleash AD. And AD, this is one of the most underrated characteristics about him, is he's one of the most liked guys in the NBA, especially by his teammates. Now, someone like LeBron, his teammates love him, but sometimes he does get some pushback. He's got it with Kyrie, not Kawhi. He's got it with Kyrie before, so he does get some pushback from his teammates. AD is kind of the opposite. And I think... The Lakers team is going to be pushing for AD to really dominate this season, and I think AD will. I think AD is ready to take that step, and I think that step is going to be monstrous when you look at the grand scheme of things in in terms of whether or not the Lakers can repeat. So I'm interested in that. And also I'm interested to see really how Frank Vogel coaches this team. You know, How many minutes does LeBron get? How many minutes does AD get? I think AD is going to have to carry the team this year, but... Frank Vogel, he's got a different cast now this year. So how does he coach him? What adjustments does he make? Because we all know last year Frank Vogel made the right adjustments at the right time every single time in the playoffs, and that's why they won the championship. So Frank Vogel is going to be a big key, and I'm interested to see how this Laker team, all these new pieces, how they all mesh together. Because if you look at them on paper, this is, as I've said before, LeBron James's deepest team that he's ever had in terms of starters, bench, and all of that. This is the deepest team that he's had. And if you can get players like Kyle Kuzma to really take that next step, who just signed that three-year, $40 million contract extension, so the Lakers obviously believe in him. And if he can make that next step, yeah, the Lakers are going to be in business. Now, we haven't even mentioned Talon, Talon Horton Tucker. I mean, the Lakers are deep. They are the deepest team in the league to me. They are the best team in the league. And tonight is a chance for them to really flex their muscle, even though I'm not expecting LeBron James to go all out tonight. I think a good stat line for LeBron tonight would be a 20-point game with six rebounds and 11 assists. That's a good game for LeBron here tonight. I don't think he's going to try to make it a one-on-one versus Kawhi. I don't think he's interested in that, especially in night one. This team, the Laker team, is going to ride Anthony Davis a lot of this season. And we even heard it with LeBron on the shop talking to Barack Obama saying, hey, you know, this is what we got AD for. He can lengthen my career. So 
AD is going to be a big part of this team, and tonight we'll really find out how big part, how big of a part he will be this season. And for that, I'm excited. And if you had to push me of who's going to win tonight, you know where I'm going. I think the Lakers roll tonight. I really do. It's ring night. I think these new additions are going to be very excited to be out on the floor. And I think Montrez Harrell is going to play with a chip on his shoulder. Look out for that. I think it's going to be very chippy. I think Pat Bev and Montrez, they're probably going to get into it a little bit. Pat Bev's going to try to get under LeBron's skin, but he's not going to be able to. But he's going to try. That is who Pat Bev is. And it'll be a very good watch tonight. I am certainly excited. I hope you are too. And we'll see what happens. And as I mentioned before, since it is opening night, it is only right that we do our finals prediction. And as I said, if you listened to the pod last week, you know where I'm going with this. But if you haven't, then you don't know where I'm going. So let's just get started. We'll start with the East. The Eastern Conference, my top two teams out of the East this season, the two teams I think will be battling it out in the Eastern Conference final is going to be the Philadelphia 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets. I really like what the Sixers have done. And as you know, KD, second best player in the league. I think that's enough to get the Nets to at least the conference finals in the Eastern Conference. But the big question is, who do I think wins that matchup? And I'm going to go with the 76ers. I have the 76ers coming out of the Eastern Conference. And I know a lot of you might be wondering, how is that possible? And I know a lot of people might be saying, oh, you know, I thought you didn't like Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons together. And I will say to you that, yeah, last year I really didn't. And I don't know what's changed, but I just have a feeling that this is going to be the year that they put it all together. I think for a long time, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid have been allowed to skate within that Philly franchise and that organization. I do. I think they have been allowed to skate and just do whatever they want. But now, now that they got Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers, I don't think Doc Rivers is going to let them do that, mainly because they're not accomplished. Now, you might say, well, he let Kawhi do that last year. Well, yeah, well, Kawhi's won two championships and two finals MVPs. These guys have not done that. So I think Doc is going to coach him hard. And also with Daryl Morey being there, hey, Ben Simmons, if you're not ready to take that next step, if you're not ready to be that guy, you're going to be shipped out. And I think that is just the spank in the butt that Ben Simmons needs to really get him serious about his game. So I see Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons being a great tandem this year. And even though I didn't like him last year, the problem is, is when you actually look at the numbers, they work together. When they are on the floor together, they do work together. And I take it back to two years ago. They were one shot away from being in the Eastern Conference Finals. And who knows? They probably would have beat the Bucks just like the Raptors did. But they were one shot away. And they had some great additions this offseason. And even though I believe in KD and I believe in Kyrie and I believe they're the second best duo, the thing about it is the 76ers are a bad matchup for a lot of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. Let's just look at the Heat. Joel Embiid is a bad matchup for Bam Adebayo. I mean, can we be real about that for a second? He is a bad matchup for Bam. And then if you can stick Ben Simmons on Jimmy Butler, that's also a bad matchup for the Heat. And then let's look at the Nets. Who's going to guard Joel Embiid on the Nets? Seriously, who? You want to throw Jared Allen out there? Yeah, he's not athletic enough. He'll get abused. You want to throw DeAndre Jordan out there? Eh, 
I don't know. Can DeAndre Jordan step out a little bit to that mid-range spot and guard Joel Embiid? I don't know. Who's going to guard Ben Simmons? And then you add in Dwight coming off the bench. It's just a bad matchup for the Brooklyn Nets. It really is. I mean, you could stick Ben Simmons on KD. You could stick Ben Simmons on Kyrie. It doesn't really matter. It's a bad matchup. And a big reason why I believe in the Sixers so much this year is not so much about their offense. Even though Ben Simmons and Embiid are a great tandem and they can put up great offensive numbers, it's really not about that to me. I think the 76ers have a chance to be one of the best defensive teams in the league. Ben Simmons, first of all, is one of the most underrated defenders in the NBA. I don't care what nobody has to say. Go look at the numbers. Ben Simmons can guard his you-know-what off. And then you add in the length. The length of this team is going to bother him. You got Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, Dwight Howard, Danny Green. These are some defensive cats now. Now, maybe not so much Tobias Harris, but when you're talking about the other guys, they got length and they play defense, and the length, I think, is going to bother people. They can shorten the floor. They can shorten the court on teams, and that's going to be an issue. It is going to be an issue for a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference, and for that, I'm going to ride with Philadelphia as my finals pick, and I know there's a lot of trade rumors with Ben Simmons and James Harden. Are they going to trade for him or not? Now, if they do... Sixers are not my favorite. I don't believe in James Harden like that, and that's why I think the Sixers should just stay put for now, see how this works so far, and see where they're at because I think they have an opportunity to make a really deep playoff run this season. So, as you just heard, I do have the 76ers coming out of the Eastern Conference this season. And when it comes to the West, you know where I'm going. I got the Lakers making it out of the West, but I do have them playing the Nuggets in the conference finals, a rematch of last year's conference finals. Now, you already know, I'm not a huge believer in the Clippers, and quite frankly, I just don't see how they got better this year. Is Serge Ibaka a better player than Harold? Sure, but they lost a lot of their depth, and if Paul George isn't going to catapult himself back into MVP Paul George, I don't see how people can say that they can give the Lakers a real challenge. I think in terms of depth and in terms of talent, there's only one team in the Western Conference that can give the Lakers challenges, and that is the Denver Nuggets. So that's why I have the Nuggets versus the Lakers in the Conference Finals again with the Lakers, of course, winning because, hey, it is not very often you see a champion get better in the offseason, and I don't think the Lakers just got better. I think they got a lot better, and that's what's scary for the rest of the league. They got a lot better. And when you got LeBron coming down 36 years old, he was the best point guard in the league last year. He'll be the best point guard again in the league this year. I mean, what what else can you say? AD, I believe, is going to take that next big step, and I think he's going to just be a flat-out monster. And the Lakers have the best bench in the league. Let's just call it what it is. I know Shooter's going to start now, but there's a good there's a good chance, even though I don't think that it should happen, but there is a good chance that Schroeder will eventually come off the bench. And if you have Schroeder and Harrell coming off your bench, along with guys like Horton Tucker possibly and everything of that nature, then you have something working for you. I mean, the Lakers are the deepest team in the league, and for that reason alone, really, I think they're going to get to the finals. When you add in the fact that they're the deepest team in the league, plus they have the best dynamic duo in the league, it is going to be very hard to stop the Los Angeles Lakers from achieving their from accomplishing their goals this season. So 
With that, I do have the 76ers versus the Lakers in the NBA Finals. And now it is time for who do I think wins the Finals? And I'm going to go with the Lakers here. Now, I know what you're thinking. You know, I'm a Laker fan, so of course I'm going to pick the Lakers. But when you just really look at it, like I said, from top to bottom, they have the best team in the NBA. They do. They have the best player. They have the best team. They have the best duo. So unless injuries come into play here, I don't see how anyone could pick other than the Lakers. It just doesn't make sense to me. And if they're going to play the Sixers, I'll take the Lakers in seven games. I do think it'll go seven. I just think that this is the year that Ben Simmons and Embiid really put it together and really take this year very seriously. I really do. And I think it would make for a great finals between the Sixers and the Lakers. I think it would be very defensive, a little more defensive than people would think because I think the Lakers, again, will be a good defensive team. That is obviously what they hung their hat on last year. And with the Sixers' length and all the additions that they got this year, I think they will be a good defensive team as well. And that would be a great final. Now, obviously, the most star-studded final and the final everyone would want, including me, would be the Nets and the Lakers. Uh, KD and LeBron going at it for, I believe it would be a fourth time, would be fantastic. The storylines. Now, the NBA has had a problem with ratings. They've had problems with ratings before. If you want to fix that problem, just have Brooklyn face off against LA in the NBA Finals. Have KD go against LeBron. Have Kyrie go against LeBron. Have AD go against KD. I mean, the storylines in that matchup would be ridiculous. They are the two deepest teams in the league. So even though I don't think it'll happen, that's obviously what the NBA should be rooting for because that would bring ratings galore, in my opinion. And it would bring a lot of people back into basketball, I think. But I just think it is a very tough ask to ask Kevin Durant after Taron Achilles to make it to the NBA Finals. I mean, it's a tough ask to ask him to be who he was before the injury, and it's even tougher to ask him to make the NBA Finals. So because of that, I will go 76ers versus Lakers, and I'll go Lakers win in seven. And now it is time to look at some season award predictions And let's just start with the top here. MVP. Who do I think will win MVP this year? I know Luka Doncic is a really hot pick. I get it, and I know why. I know why. He's going to put up numbers. He's going to win multiple MVPs in his career. I think that's inevitable. But when it comes to this season, I'm actually going to go with Anthony Davis. Now, I was thinking about taking Luka like pretty much everybody else, but what gives me hesitation is... They're going to need to be a top five or top four team in the Western Conference. That's really what they're going to need to be. And I know Kristaps will be back early January, so he's not going to miss much time. But my thing is, is can the Dallas Mavericks be a top five team if Kristaps can't stay healthy? Which, what has Kristaps shown us? He can't stay healthy. So if that's going to be the case again this year, I just have a really tough time picking Luka to win the MVP, and I think Anthony Davis, like I said a million times before, he is going to take that next step. The championship is going to change him. I think he's going to have the ultimate green light, and he's such a likable guy. I really think the Los Angeles Lakers and that whole team is going to be pushing for him to go for the MVP, which is a big reason why I'm picking him to win it, and Doncic might have the most impressive numbers, but why I think AD will win the MVP is because I think the Lakers, first of all, will finish with the first seed in the West. Again, I do believe that. I think they are deep enough that even if LeBron misses some games that they can win. 
I think that Frank Vogel and that team is going to ride Anthony Davis hard this year. I mean, this is going to be his year to really dominate, especially with LeBron kind of load managing a little bit coming off a shortened offseason. So look for that. And what I think will put AD over the top of Luka in terms of MVP is the fact that I also think Anthony Davis will win Defensive Player of the Year. So I believe he will affect both sides of the court. And Luka just doesn't have the ability really to affect anything on the defensive end. So when you take those, all those things into account, give me AD as my MVP. Now, let's keep moving down the line here. Sixth man of the year. Who do I think will be the sixth man of the year? It's going to be your usual suspects. You're going to have Harrell in there. He's going to be a sixth man for the Lakers. And you're probably going to have Lou Williams in there as well. Those are the usual suspects. But the person I'm going to go with might be a little surprising to all of you, although to me it's not. And the person I'm going to go with that wins the sixth man of the year is going to be Karis LeVert. Now, we all know Spencer Dinwiddie is going to be starting for the Brooklyn Nets. That means Karis LeVert will come off the bench. And Karis LeVert can play basketball. And one thing he can do is put the ball in the hole. And if there's one thing that the Sixth Man of the Year Award has taught us, it is that they only care about if you can put the ball in the hole. And that is what Karis LeVert's going to do. And I think he wins Sixth Man of the Year for the Brooklyn Nets. Now, if we keep moving down the line, we got Most Improved Player of the Year. And hey... If I have the Nuggets making the conference finals, if I have them being a, the second best team in the West over the Clippers as being the third best team, if I have them being up there with the Lakers in terms of talent and depth, well, then the most improved player to me is simple. It's going to be Michael Porter Jr., mainly due to the fact that he didn't play much in the regular season last year. So he can really only go up. And if he comes out averaging about 18, which I think is a good position to be for him to be at, if he comes out averaging 16 to 18 points, he's going to be the most improved player of the year. On a very good team, the Denver Nuggets have proven that they are going to be a very good regular season team. It is very hard to play on their home court with the altitude and everything of that nature. So give me Michael Porter Jr. as my most improved player of the year. Although there are some other guys that I will be looking at to get that award, like someone like OG Ananobi. Not a lot of people looking at him there in Toronto, but the Raptors have raved about him for years, and this could be the year he takes that step. So definitely watch out for him. And then also we have Rookie of the Year. This is where we'll end it, is Rookie of the Year. I think it'll be LaMelo Ball, and I know what you're thinking. Oh, my goodness, how could you think it's going to be LaMelo Ball when you said James Wiseman is going to be the best player from the draft? And to me, it's simple. I think LaMelo Ball is going to play a lot more minutes than James Wiseman. The Warriors are very good at player development, which means that they are very good at halting their players back for a few years before really unleashing them. And I think that's what they're going to do here with Wiseman. And when it comes to ball, we've seen the passing ability, man. He, he's got some passing ability. Reminds me very much of Jason Kidd. So, and also, he's going he's gonna to play probably over 34 minutes a game. So because of that, it's going to be hard to eclipse Lamella ball now i know you're thinking oh, what about anthony edwards i'm sorry i just i never believed in edwards even as the number one pick i just something about him i just, i'm maybe it's affected he plays for the timberwolves who knows <laughs> but i don't like anthony edwards and i think the rookie of the year will actually end up going to Lamella ball even though i think the best the best player from this rookie class will actually end up being wiseman but hey, you know, I you know, there's politics get into that. Wiseman's not going to play that much. Lamelo Ball is so because of that, he's going to put up more numbers, and because of that, that is what people voting for Rookie of the Year fall in love with. So I'll take Lamelo Ball for Rookie of the Year. 
And with all of that out of the way, it is finally time for the final topic of the show today. And you heard me mention it earlier. For those of you that don't know, though, this might be useful information. For those of you that don't know, NBA League Pass is going to be free the first week of the NBA season. So with that, I do got to give you some games to look forward to this week that may not be on national television. And one of the games I'm really looking at is tomorrow. And that is the Wizards and the 76ers. That's going to be a very interesting game. It's going to be your first look at the Bradley Beal-Russell Westbrook combo. It'll also be your first look at Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid really this season and Doc Rivers and how he's going to utilize those two. So that's going to be a very interesting game. That is tomorrow. That is obviously not televised. Another game that's not televised tomorrow that will be very interesting, I think, is the Pelicans and the Raptors. The Raptors, where are they this year? And the Pelicans, we all know they're probably going to be fighting for a playoff spot towards the tail end of the Western Conference. But the big question is, where are the Raptors this year? Are they a top team in the East? Are they a middle team? Or are they one of the lower teams? That's going to be interesting to watch. And then there is another game this weekend here that I am searching for right now. And it is on Sunday. And that is the Mavericks and the Clippers. Now, that game will be on NBA TV. So you might get that game. You might not. But either way, It is a very interesting game to watch and to look forward to because Luka Doncic and Kawhi Leonard. I mean, anytime you have stars on the floor, it's going to be a very interesting game to watch. So nothing changes there. So those are three games that I think you should look forward to during this first week of the NBA season. And I hope you all are excited and as happy as I am to watch the NBA again. Now, it's only been about 70 days since the end of last season, but hey, I am still very excited and mainly because I think this has the opportunity to be one of the most intriguing and interesting seasons to date. There's so many storylines. There's so many things going on, especially with COVID and, you know, Toronto. Where are they even going to play the second half of the season? We know the first half they're going to play in Tampa, but the second half of the season, where are they going to go? What happens with the playoffs? Is there going to be a bubble? Are they not going to do a bubble? Who knows? These are all questions that nobody knows the answer to, but because of that, it makes it one of the most intriguing seasons of the year. And as I said, I just really hope you are as excited as I am about it. And of course, Christmas is on Thursday. As you all know, I do my show Tuesdays and Thursdays. And since Christmas or Christmas Eve is on Thursday, and since that, I will not be doing a show Christmas Eve. So this is the one and only show next week, and we will probably follow the same game plan next week as well for new year's so i hope you guys enjoyed the show today if you like it give it a share give it a follow wherever you listen to podcasts tell your friends about it the more the merrier also go give me a like on facebook you can just search above the rim would be pretty easy to find for anybody there it'll be the same art as your podcast app or wherever you listen to the podcast but with that We will see you guys next tuesday to talk about the first week in the nba and what we think to give our reactions to it So I hope you all have a very Merry Christmas, and I hope you have a great weekend spent with family, hopefully. And with that, we will see you next time.